0: shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so first and foremost, I wanna thank the Landis family for sponsoring tonight's sheer, for tonight's talk in honor of the neshama of David Landis Shalom, somebody who really understood kind of what the Zohar was trying to say, at least in my humble opinion. And what I want to talk about tonight, first off, I want to give kind of a warning in the sense that I'm going to be speaking in broad strokes tonight. and I'm going to be generalizing to a certain degree. And it's difficult not to generalize when it comes to trying to convey what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai or what the Zohar HaKadosh means to me personally, which is all I can say. But for the sake of conveying some sort of content that I feel deep in my heart, and we don't have hours and hours together, so I'm going to try and convey a tam divar, a summary, and therefore I have to generalize. But obviously it should be obvious to anybody, and if it's not, then I'm going to say it explicitly. What I'm saying tonight is only one side of the Sugya of Rashbi and one side of the Sugya of the Zohar HaKadosh and not chas v'shalom an attempt to paint the entire picture in one fell swoop, which is quite possibly the polar opposite of what Rashbi was all about. That just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu is for everybody, that Sadiqim tell us Rashbi is for everybody and that what you see in the tzaddik is rooted in your neshama, and what your neshama seeks in the tzaddik is what you're going to find. So what you're going to hear from me tonight is my own perception of what these sugyos mean. Now it happens to be Rashbi who teaches us that there's a certain mechanism, there's a certain secret when it comes to learning Torah, that if you imagine as if the Baal Hashmuah is standing in front of you, when you learn through their Sefer, or you learn through their writings properly, then then it's almost as if that tzaddik, that individual who's no longer in the world, is also going to be engaging back with you through your learning of the Torah. This is something that we discussed in the introduction to the Shiram on Rabbi Nachman, how the tzaddik is buried in a real kever, and the tzaddik is also buried in his book. That there are certain tzaddikim who, there are certain tzaddikim who place themselves into their sefer. That the bal HaSippor, that the person telling the story, imprints themselves within the book so that the book also contains the neshama. Now generally, what Kalal Yisrael does when it comes to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is we flock to the real kever, for the kirva, for that kirva that we desire. It's almost like an aliyah Loregel, quite literally an aliyah Loregel. There's no other time, quite possibly, where so many Jews are gathered in one particular spot. But the way things have gone this year and the way it is now, the, the people who need to be by Rashmi will probably be there. I don't know. I imagine that Tzadikim will get to be there. You know, Rav Itshemeyer will be there probably, Rav Matal maybe. I don't know, you know, so people who need to be there will be there. But for the rest of us and for the rest of Klal Yisrael, who don't have access to the Kever, to that type of closeness, So we're forced on a certain level to try and connect to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai from a distance. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai himself taught us, where do you find connection to a tzaddik who is nifter? You find it in his book. So instead of talking only about Rashbi, instead of only talking about who Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was and what he was bringing to the table, I want to talk a little bit about the book of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the world of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the Sefer HaZohar. The book of the Zohar, which is not quite a book even, it's a world, it's a universe. It's a textual landscape that is created out of thin air, quite literally, it's built on air. It's the, the book of the Maskilim it's a book of stars that are, that are written in the sky. It's written in a book, it obviously is, but anybody who has touched the Zohar, anybody who has read the Zohar with any ounce of honesty, which is a hard thing to do. But when you read the Zohar with an ounce of honesty and you allow the Zohar to kind of look right back at you, what you recognize is that this is more than a book. This is a a world. It's It's a chilek of Torah that wasn't there beforehand and came into revelation with the figure of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And if we want to understand who Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was and what he was trying to teach us on a certain level, we have to make our way through what his book was. And my hope is that if we can understand what his book, the Sefer HaZohar, is coming to show us, we can also glean a certain level of insight into what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was trying to teach us, and more practically, what we can do for ourselves today, in this very, very strange time of Rikhuk from the tzaddik, of reichuk from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and how we can try and connect by way of distance specifically. Now, the title of tonight's shir is A Path Towards the Inside, Rashbi Wandering and Living Beyond Death. So first and foremost, the first question we have to open up with is the strangeness of the holiday of Lagba Omer. That I know people will reach out to me afterwards and tell me that it's not really Rashbi's yard site. Fine. Okay, good. But Lagba Omer is Rashbi's yard site. Whether it's his yard site or it's not his yard side, it's his yard site. And it's so strange that by this tzaddik in particular, we celebrate his hilula. We celebrate the histalkus of the tzaddik. We, we look upon the very difficult reality that this tzaddik has died, something that none of us are comfortable looking at. Death, which frightens all of us on every level of our nefesh, ruach, neshama, maybe not on the high end, but almost at every level, death frightens us. And yet here we have this pillar, this pillar of fire who who dies, who is no longer here, leaving behind students who are struggling and crying for him to be there, leaving behind a family, a child. And we celebrate and we dance and we light fires and we sing songs of Ashrecha, of praise and joy over the fact that we had a taste of what Rashbi was. And it's not a a kasha because it's such a glaring question it almost doesn't have to be asked. What changes on Nagba Omer that our entire posture towards death shifts? Instead of the anxiety and the dread that we typically confront death with, with the sense of Avelus, of sadness, of waiting for a nechama, of being nohig minhagim of Avelus, as one rightfully should, Not only do we not know Minhage Avelis on Lagba Omer, but Lagba Omer is a siluk of Minhage Avelis. We're no longer, it's the day that we stop from any Minhagim to stop following the laws of Avelis, of all of the Tamidim of Rabbi Akiva who were nifter during Sira. So there's something about Lagba Omer which is not only an ignoring of death, but a reorientation towards death, a reorientation to what it means to no longer be present, to not be in the world anymore. And I think that in order for us to understand this, we have to make our way a little bit into what the Sefer HaZohar is. Now, the Sefer HaZohar, the Sefer HaZohar, if I had to summarize what the Sefer HaZohar means to me, and this is, this is after somewhat of an intense relationship with the Sefer HaZohar, going through a time period in my life where I couldn't open anything but the Sefer HaZohar. After learning that you can approach the Sefer HaZohar in one way. You can try and see the Arizal in the Sefer HaZohar. You can try and see the Balshemtov in the Sefer HaZohar. You can try and see all the Tzadikim in the Sefer HaZohar. And when you try and read yourself into the Sefer HaZohar, it spits you right out. It's very difficult to see what the Arizal was drawing from the Zohar, except in specific places where it's abundantly clear. But it's only when I was capable of being mavata myself, of not trying to understand anything, that I was able to start learning the Zohar, almost as a medrash of sorts, which the Chazunish said to do, and I was taken in in such an intense way that I couldn't learn anything else. That the Sefer HaZohar is like a medrash but it's beyond. It is a book that beckons the reader into it. It draws you into the book and the book becomes a landscape of sorts. And it's not the typical rabbinic conversations that we encounter usually. It's Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, the hero of the Zohar and his chavraya and his 10 friends and chabura, this connected group, that wander around the land of Israel. None of it takes place in a base medrash. The book of the Zohar is not a book of the inside, it's a book of the outside. Everything, all of the Torah conversations, take place generally at night in the mountainside of northern Israel. One can imagine what that atmosphere may have been like. Wandering with roads that are not leading anywhere. No distinct destination is expressed at the beginning of the companions journeying out into the night. There's no real conversation about what the next step is going to lead one to. And it's specifically a book that takes place on the road, Baderech. Very often the stories of the Zohar awaken the individuals, the chavraya of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, as they're walking along the road, they encounter Donkeys and and strange animals and and miscreants and beggars and elders and impoverished individuals who ask them riddles and difficult questions And these difficult questions elicit some of the deepest secrets ever to be revealed It's almost the polar opposite of the world of the yeshiva as we can conceive of it There's no inside in the Zohar. There's almost no daytime The Zohar is a book that is surrounded. The context of the book is nighttime. Like the opening of the Zohar teaches us, the radiance of the sky is the nimshol, is the the grounding anchor that is used to describe the chavraya of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. What is it about the radiance of the sky? The radiance of the stars are only capable of shining when there's a darkness that conceals and occludes the normal light of day. That is when stars begin to shine. The Book of the Zohar is a book that recognizes and deeply appreciates the fundamental need for there to be a contrast of darkness and light in order to disclose any type of secret. It's very difficult sometimes to understand what's happening in the Zohar. Psukim are read and misread and shattered open Pesukim become completely read otherwise than what their proper meaning should be. There's machlokes in the conversations. One Khaver, one of the Chabura of Rashbi will read a Pesuk and it will be used to disclose the deep joy that Hashem takes with the Jewish people at every moment, no matter what. And the next Haver gets up and he's like, okay, great, you're done now. This Pasuk actually means that Hashem doesn't like us at this moment. And they're not arguing, they're just expressing different colors and different varieties of their own spiritual experience based on that verse. The book of the Zohar is a book of wandering. It's not a book of the inside. It's a book where everything takes place on the road at night. Typically when we read books, when we're interested in content, what we desire is closure. We desire real content, information that is valuable to us, that can be applied to our individual experiences, either in a lawful sense, in an ethical sense, or a moral sense. That's not what you find in the Zohar. The Zohar doesn't care about your desire for clarity or closure. The Zohar is an open book. It's a book where the concept of ending seems to fall away. There's no closure. One conversation melts into the other conversation and you go from mystical experiences and Kabbalistic interpretations of verse and all of a sudden you're back in this very real mundane narrative of two walking on the road complaining about the wind. And you're forced to kind of accept that flowing nature of the text. What it does is it decenters you as a reader. You're no longer in charge when you're reading the Zohar. The Zohar is in charge when you're reading the Zohar. This is why so often what you see before Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai would teach or before any of the Tzadikim or the Chavraya Kadisha of Rashbi would teach in the Zohar, it opens with Pasach Rabbi Shimon. Pasach Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon opened up. Or Pasach Rabbi Chia. And there have been Tzadikim and secular Jewish prophets who have looked at this point in the Zohar and said, Pasach here doesn't just mean that they open their mouths. Pasach means that they found an opening in the air. That in order to engage in the freedom and the fluidity that the Zohar engages in, you need to break open the world that we live in. It's not enough to live and breathe the stullied air of inside the base medrish or inside the house. You have to take the deep breath that inhale of the outside in order to properly understand that the walls and the barriers that I typically live according to, those barriers that limit my natural understanding, these need to be shattered if I'm going to become part of the chavraya of Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai. Pasach Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon opens up the world. He tears open the world almost as if tearing the fabric of the revealed reality and disclosing the concealment that abides underneath at every moment, waiting to be shown. Pasach Rabbi Shimon, but because our desire for closure is so real and so present and so deeply rooted in us from a young age, it's a maddening book as well. You don't know exactly which way you're going when you're reading the text. As Refroman Srusa Yogan Aleinu points out in chasidim Sochakim Mizeh, and in the shirim that he would give in Zohar, in Yeshivat Otniel, and even more powerfully in the ma'amadot that he would have towards the end of his life in Tokoa. It's a book of madness. The Zohar is an insane book. It's not a book for normal people. It's not a book for tzaddikim. It's the book of Balichuva. The Zohar is not going to speak to you if you don't know what the darkness of light looks like, if you don't know the sense of wandering on a path without direction. It's a book of tahazi. It's a book of come and see. You have to understand the context and you have to have felt that context of the Zohar in order to appreciate what the Zohar is coming to say. And because we desire closure so badly, this sense of walking along a path without any real direction can very, very quickly descend into this banal anxiety of wandering, of nav nad yihyeh ba'aretz. That curse that Cain received. Where Hashem says to Kayan, You messed up here and you're going to wander the land without any place to settle yourself. That's not a blessing. The Kajanitzur Magad has a remarkable teaching on this. Kashnitzir Magad says, What kind of punishment is it to Cain of Nov and Nad Yihabarats? Why couldn't he just stop? Why couldn't he settle himself? Why couldn't he arrest and stop walking? What the Kashmir of said is that really what Hashem did, he was parash masach berosho shal kayan. That Hashem spread out a partition in the mind of kayan that prevented him from finding of hadas. In other words, kayan had anxiety. Kayan lived with the sense of wherever I am is not where I need to be. Wherever I am, there's elsewhere that I need to be, there's something else that I need to be engaged with. And Kain says, I can't, I can't live like this. I can't live like that. Unsettled like that, wandering without any destination. So Hashem says, I'll give you a sign. And the Koshnet Tzermaget says, what's that sign, Shabbos? You'll have one day a week where you're able to have Yeshavadas and settle yourself and not leave. The point is that we desire to know where we're going. We don't want to just wander. And in the Zohar Akadush, there's a meandering, there's a wandering. There's a sense of never fully arriving at the end or at the destination. Countless times throughout the Zohar, after profound, after profound teachings are revealed, one of the chavraya, who are engaged in the revelation of that teaching will be so excited, so amazed by that idea, that they'll jump up and say, had I not come for anything but this, it would have been enough. Almost as if to say, it almost would have been enough. On a certain level, if my life had been the way I wanted it to be, or things had gone the way I wanted them to go, this teaching would have been enough for me. I wouldn't have needed anything else. But in the Zohar, it's, it almost would have been enough. Almost, but not quite. There's this undying sense of we're almost there, we're almost there, but we're not quite there yet, so we need to keep wandering. The Zohar is a tantalizing book. No matter how profound the page is, you're not settled with that page. You have to turn to the next page to see what else the Chavraya are getting into, or what else Rashvi is going to teach us. But on a certain level, I think that this wandering, this nighttime, this nocturnal experience that the Zohar elicits within its readers. I personally can't read the Zohar during the day. I was spit out by the Zohar, Agav. After that year of obsession with the Zohar, I was talking about it too much. I was writing about it. I couldn't stop talking about it. And then came a day where I just couldn't even open it up. I couldn't look at it. And I'm beginning slowly, Bezrat Hashem, to find myself back in it. But at least for me, I could be a crazy person or this could be my relationship with the book. But the Zohar is a tantalizing book. But if, you're, if you think you have too much of a grasp of it, you get kicked right out. The wandering in the Zohar is not symptomatic. It's not a result of some problem. It's the very fabric of what Rashbi and his Chavraya were trying to teach us. If you feel that life is about a destination, if you feel that the goal of your life is to arrive at a certain point where you can say, I have completed everything I need to complete, I have done everything I need to do, so then the path is frustrating because all you want to do is to get to a destination. The path is only a means to an end. But if you learn to recognize, as the Chavraya of the Zohar try and show us, That there is no goal, there is no end point, because every step of the journey, every step along the road of wandering in the Zohar, is in and of itself the destination. That the Chavraya didn't need a destination because the walking itself was a destination. The meandering upon the road, the ability to abide in the openness of the air with the mindful attention to whatever was present at that moment, that was the goal of the Zohar. The Zohar is not a book of laws. It's not a book of mitzvos. The Zohar even refers to the Taryag mitzvos as taryag itin, as suggestions, almost as if to say that if you come into this book with a desire for absolute direction, get out of here you need to relinquish that sense of control that we so deeply have in order to experience the light of the book of the Zohar. It's a book that demands a certain negation of the self, an abandonment of the self. Which is why Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, You can rely on me. I understand that it's difficult to abandon that desire for closure, but you can rely on me because the world of the Zohar is a world that elicits Kedusha within the person. Ad mm-hmm. that the Svardim and the Tzadikim, and Rav Froman points us out as well, that sometimes the highest level of learning the Zohar is just reading the words. Because the Zohar itself is a vehicle. It carries you with it. It's like a book of air. You float in the Book of the Zohar. But the wandering in the Zohar is not because we don't know the destination. It's because there is no destination. The destination is the process. This is what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is trying to teach us. When Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai comes out of his cave after 12 years, which was not quite enough time, he looked upon the world and he saw people walking around. He saw what seemed to be meandering and wandering upon the way. And he couldn't tolerate it. He, he inflamed everything. Everything combusted. Because Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai still had that idea that everything needs to be tachlis-oriented. Everything needs to be towards the end. It has to be for the purpose. But after that 13th year of echad, of ahava, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was able to come out and see that person walking and wandering along the road carrying myrtle branches And he was able to see that the wandering of the Jewish person is also good. That wandering is also the tachlis. That sometimes we don't have to know exactly what it is that we're doing. Sometimes our job is to be present in the moment. To stop chasing after a destination and to allow ourselves to be present in the moment. One of the bigger tzaddikim that our generation has had and that our generation seems to be becoming more and more aware of was Rav al Zaitlin Hashem Yim Kom Domo. Baal HaZohar, a person whose entire life story was a Zohar. It's a person who Hashem Yim kom Domo, who was killed on his way to a concentration camp, donned in his talis and his tefillin holding a Zohar in his arms. It's a meditation to think about that experience that's enough to give you a taste of Rashbi. If you learn the Zohar, even the Haqdamah, you begin to understand what that meant. Raphila Zaitlin, and this is in a Sefer called Viparde Sachasidus Vakabala. I think it's been translated in places. I think I translated it once upon a time. But I'm going to read the Hebrew from it because it's so powerful. *Hashkafa Khalilis on the Sefer HaZohar. Raphila Zaitlin writes as follows Mahu Sefer HaZohar. What is the book of the Zohar? Neshama Elikis a profoundly lofty divine soul, sheyarda me'olam ha'atzilas that descended from the world of supernal clarity down to our world. Laman hi'galos oros to reveal itself in the eyes of human beings with millions of lights and shadows. Again, highlighting the need not only for light, but of shadow as well, to highlight the light. G'vanim u'b'nei g'vanim. Colors and colors upon colors. Sefer Hazora zohar ha-Nigar la'am Yisrael l'chol be shifas The book of the Zohar has been revealed to the world and to the Jewish people in the influx of images, Mishalim, metaphors, s'ipurim, narratives and stories, divarim brakim, bursts of inspiration, machshavos chanitot, head-breaking thoughts. Within the Book of the Zohar, you have the lofty, elevated stations of heaven, as well as the abysmal depths of the tahom. The grandeur of and the beauty of stars. And the language of the mountains of Hashem. The conversations of trees. The sivcha and the depths of the confusion of the forest. HaZohar says Rav Hillel Zaitlin, Eirov shel amisos amukos Shaba amukos Vidimonos. It's a combination of the deepest truths and imaginings. Kavim yesheirim v'akumim, straight and crooked lines together. siurim mishunim v'zarem, strange and beautiful images Gvurat ariv the strength of a lion and the weakness of a child. Kolmapel the, Mayim the roaring sound of water and the whispers of a stream. Boros Hoshe Holes of Darkness and Caves of Concealment. Kitsur, constriction, a clarity and a severity of the wisdom of worlds and conversations that continue to inspire. They intertwine with one another. They became confused with one another as if it were one long dream according to its content and its richness, ha-zohar hu-kulo elokus. The book of the Zohar is pure godliness. achin b'chitsoynius, but externally, yesh v'hi irvuv v'arfeh. There is a darkness and there is a concealment. mi legallos laaretz mashu Somebody, Rashpi, wants to reveal on earth what is going on in heaven, Ef arpel. it's impossible for them to speak in any other way than as if from behind the cloud of darkness. This world that Rav Hillel Zaitlin is describing to us is the world of the Zohar, is a world of confusion, is a world of combustion and darkness and light in unity together where direction seems to no longer matter because a person is present at the present moment. The chavraya every moment, was almost as if it was enough to have come into the world for this moment. There's another element to the walking that the Zohar teaches us. But first, we have to look at the Nigla. We have to look at the Gemara and Shabbos on Daflamid Gimelamid Beis where we learn about Rashbi and the origins of his experience with the teachings that would eventually become the Zohar. And there we see Rashbi also moving. We see Rashbi also moving from place to place. But it's not a walking, it's a running. Rashbi is being chased. Rashbi is a nirdaf. Rashbi is running away for the sake of his life. He's hiding. And very often in our lives, that's the mode of movement that we experience. But then what happens after Rashpi comes out of that cave is that Rashbi learns how to walk with the Chavraya. Rashbi learns how to stroll with the Chavraya, how to walk smoothly and calmly. The Ramchal of Moshe Chaim Litzato, points out in the beginning of his parish on the Idra Rabba, Adir B'marum, which is a remarkable safer, A remarkable sefer. And the Ramchal points out the similarities between three elements that we find in the Torah. He says that very often there's a darkness that descends upon the world. There's a darkness that descends into a person's life. There's a darkness that descends into the collective or the individual. Each person knows what that might mean. And there's always a way that even in that darkness, a person can carve out a space for themselves, can dig out a space where the darkness can't grab hold of them. The first place we find this was by Noah, that there was a mabul in the world. The world was inundated with water, with chaos, with destruction, with fear. You couldn't go outside, you couldn't look around there was despair everywhere. But what Noach HaTzadik was capable of doing was creating a teva. And on that teva and in that teva, it was almost as if the mabul wasn't in existence. Noah and his children, Noah and his family lived their lives as if they were in a womb. They were protected from the outside. We see this as well with Moshe Rabbeinu that in order to be protected from the Nile River, he was placed in a teva. We see this later on with Moshe Rabbeinu, where Moshe Rabbeinu institutes the mitzvah of Aure Miklat, that a person who kills Beshogig, a person who for whatever reason has engaged in some sort of accidental action that has caused their lives to lose control, that Vesamtil HaMakom, the Torah says, there's a place that you can run to. There's a place that you can run to where you'll no longer be chased. There's a place that you can run to where you won't be anxious anymore. There's a place that you can run to where darkness no longer has access to you, and that was the Ari Mikla. And then the Ramchal says there was Rashbi. And what Rashbi did was he found his cave. But the difference between Rashbi and Moshe and Noah was that, unlike Moshe and Noah. Rashbi wasn't satisfied just with his being protected from the Mabul, from the darkness. Rashbi wanted to teach each and every one of us how to protect it from darkness. And that's what the Sefer HaZohar is. The Book of the Zohar is a book that when a person reads it, it's almost as if Gullus no longer exists. The Ramchal says that when you enter into the Zohar properly and you read its words and you live with the teachings of Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai in your life, Golis is outside, yes, but in your innermost heart, when you're engaged, there's a Zahira ilah shining. There's an illuminated brightness that burns in the heart. This is the Ir Mikla. This is the place that we can run to to hide. The Zohar says in countless places, Yafkin With this book you shall be redeemed from exile. You shall be redeemed from wandering. You shall be redeemed from feeling like you're chased. The typical way of reading that idea is that there's a ge'ula that stands at some historical future moment, and in order to reach that historical moment, we need to learn the Zohar properly and learn Panimiyas HaTorah properly. And there are many people who felt that way. of Kamarna, Rabbi Nachman, Lubavitcher Rebbe, and the Hasidus of Chabad with the remarkable exposure of Panimia Satora, of the Maayanos HaChutzah. But there's also another way to read that. It's not that Baha'i Chibura Yafkin Migelusa in the future, that if you learn the Zohar now, you will be redeemed from Gullus in the future, in the merit of learning the Zohar. But rather, Baha'i Chibur Yafkin Megalusa in the present moment. That when you live with the words of Rashbi, when you live with the light of the Zohar, when you live with the teachings of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, at that moment you're no longer in Gullus. Yes, the outside is the roaring waters of the Mabu'l. Yes, on the outside I'm liable for death because of the accidental murder. But inside, in the Ir Miklat, in the Teva, in the Zohar HaKadosh, in the Or HaGonuz, in that concealed light that Rashbi and all of the Tzadikim came to reveal into the world, it's Ke'ilu Amin Gan It's a Bechina, an aspect of Eilamecha Tireh of seeing your world in your days, of tasting the world to come in this world, which is the light of Mashiach, which is why in the Zohar, there's no word for Olam Haba. There's no concept of a future world. It's Al-Mada'asi, it's a world that is perpetually coming. It's a world that is always present for a person to find access to. Olam Haba is something that we can uncover within our hearts, within our minds, with our exposure to the teachings of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Now, when it comes to Lagba Omer what we find is almost, it's like the epic, it's the epic ending of the Zohar al It's the Idra Zuta, the second gathering of Rashbi and his students. The Idra Rabba takes place in Parshas Naso, and the Idra Zuta takes place in Parshas Bacude. And the Idra Zuta is finally when the Chavraya are able to enter into a home. They enter into a bias. Their path has finally led to the inside. They're no longer wandering on the road. They are now inside in the house of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Except now it's the time of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's death. The Idrezutah, according to some meforshim is almost like a will and testament of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. His last statement that he wanted to offer in this world. And the Idrazuta, which many people have the custom to read on Lagba Ba'Omer, it starts as follows. Tana, is taught, Be'ahui de Rabbi Shimon ba'al Alma. That day when Rabbi Shimon came to leave this world, Be'ahavei Masadr miloi and he gathered his words, is Kanchu Chavraya Labei Rabbi Shimon. The Chavra gathered together into the house of Rabbi Shimon. And Rabbi Elezer, his son was there. And there was a fullness in the house. There was a sense of fullness. Not a sense of privation. Not a sense of anxiety or fear that we typically associate with death and absence. But rather there was a fullness there. Zakif Enoi Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon. Glanced upwards, Bahama the Etmale Besa. He saw that there was a fullness in the house. Bachar Shimon. Rabishiman. Shimon cried. Something that's very common in the Zohar. Rabbi Shimon often cries before revealing secrets. The and he says, In the previous time that we gathered together, there were other Khavraya here. And now it's only you guys. Adha Havuyaswe Shimon waited for everybody to sit. Pasach, Eina Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon opened his eyes. Chama ma And he saw what he saw. Who knows how much is contained in these three words of the Zohar the Chama ma d'chama. And he saw what he saw. What Rabbi Shimon saw, we have no idea. But Rabbi Shimon saw what he saw. He saw what he needed to see. ishar Esha B'vesa and a fire engulfed the house. Nafku kula, everybody left. The Shevra left, and the only Shevra that stayed were Rabbi Yelazar, his son, and Rabbi Abba, his scribe. And it continues. And then it goes as follows. It's Atef Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon wraps himself in a talus. Vyasiv, and he sits. Pasach vi Amar. He opens his mouth and he says. Velo Duma The dead shall not praise God and those who descend to the abyss shall not be able to speak. Loha The dead shall not pray, proclaim their praise of Hashem Inund those who are referred to as dead. Because Hashem is referred to as life bay inund ikrin hayim and he spends his time with those who are alive veloyim inund ikrin mason, and not with those who refer to themselves as dead on his deathbed what rabbi shimon reveals is that death is not death and life is not life death is a mindset and life is a mindset the last teaching of rabbi shimon by Yochai the culmination of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's teachings is to teach us how to look at this world, how to look at that deep fear that we all live with, how to look at that terror that we're faced with when we conceive of absence, when we conceive of leaving this world. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is saying that if you learn to walk my path properly, if you learn to recognize that life is a mindset and death is a mindset, and that the Rishoyim, even in their lifetime, are referred to as dead, and that Sadiqim, even in their death, are referred to as alive, when you realize that life is not simply a process towards an end, but rather every moment of life is the purpose itself, at that point you realize that our entire lives are preparations to find Hashem in our lives. It's not a goal to some end point. It's our ability to say to Hashem, I find you here right now. What Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai teaches us is stop being so afraid of absence. Find yourself in the present moment. We all live under the threat of death. That's the Mitziyas. There's nothing to do about that. And it's a terror and it's an amplified terror in certain periods of time. What, what Rabbi Shimon and his Chevra teach us and try and teach us, and what we experience on Lagba Omer, is the ability to look death in the face, to look the Malachamavas in the face, and say, I'm not afraid of you. The fact that things are going to eventually end just means that I have to find presence in the moment even stronger. Like the Pasuk in Shir Hashirim says, Aza Kemavas Ahava. Love is as strong and severe as death. What that means, according to the Mephorshin, is that if you want to know what love truly is, then feel that love even in the awareness of the vulnerability of its eventual departure. When you recognize that everything is transient and doesn't last forever until the days of Mashiach, and you're filled with that fear and that anxiety, and you continue to love, and you continue to grab hold of life, and you continue to Pasach Rabbi Shimon, to open your mouth and to open yourself up to the world, and to continue walking on the path. At that moment, it's Mal At that moment, the world is full. Rabbi Nachman says as follows. In Lukutamaran, Maran Chilak Aleph Kuf Chaf the Zohar became a mekomos in the Zohar in numerous places when the Chavraya would praise Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai. The Zohar says, Woe to the generation when Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai is going to die. Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai was still alive. Why are they mourning him? Rabbi Shimon's right there. Rabbi Nachman says, this is the aspect of Shabbos Kavan Kaven Sheshovas vayavdanefesh. You want to understand why the Chavraya mourn Rashbi before he's dead? Then you have to understand how we accept Shabbos. We accept Shabbos out of the pain of Shabbos's eventual departure. Our awareness that Shabbos won't last forever is what forces us to grab hold of every moment of Shabbos even stronger. So too, by the chever of Rashbi, Rabbi Nachman says, "Shemachmas goydel hata anug hanefesh That as a result of the great pleasure and joy that comes as a result of the elevated soul of Shabbos, al kain matchilim takev lehitka ageya ulehitstayer al avedas hanefesh b'motzei Shabbos. Because of how good we feel when Shabbos comes, we're also, as Jews, this is what we do. We have anticipatory grief over the fact that it's not going to last forever. Ken ha so too the chavra of Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, mach goydel haTaanugim taanugim vha shashuim she rabam As a result of the great joy and pleasure that they received from their tzadik, their Rebbe, Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, al-kein tekef umiyad hitchalu lehitkaageya. The moment he started speaking, they began to mourn him. Because they realized that we can't have this forever. And their heart was filled with the eventual pain about his eventual departure. But that pain, that awareness, forces the Chavrayah to grab hold of those words in that moment even stronger that it is only when we acknowledge that Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai wouldn't last forever in their life, that moments of light don't always last forever, that sometimes the world is filled with darkness as well. That's what forces us to grab hold of every step of light. And the Zohar HaKadosh teaches us how to be satisfied with one step of light. It's not a question of a destination. To end, on a certain level, from my own learnings of the Zohar and my readings of the Zohar, and from rereading notes that I wrote on the cover of my Zohar, on a certain level, the Book of the Zohar is a book that teaches us how the human being is greater than the Malach. It's an old Machlokas, a very old Machlokas. On a certain level, the spiritual power of a Malach is obviously much stronger than a human being. But on the other hand, it is specifically within the vulnerability, with the fallibility, with the mortality of the human being, that we reveal a certain elevated status that we as human beings have over Malachim. And as the Mitla Rebbe points out and the Rebbe Rashab points out, that Lagba Omer is simply a preparation for Matan Torah. So we see the same experience with Moshe Rabbeinu that Moshe Rabbeinu was alisa lamarum v'sivisha shevi. The Kamarna Rebbe, the Ramchal points out that what's shevi, what did Moshe Rabbeinu save, what did he retrieve? Shimon bar Yochai. Roshet shevi. Shin beziud. Shimon bar Yochai. Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to Shemayim and the Malachim are mad. They don't want the Torah to come down. And Moshe has no idea what to say. And Hashem says, let them know about your vulnerability. Let them know that you struggle. Let them know that you have Sahara and that you're going to die. They don't have that. They don't know what it means to serve Hashem out of the shade of darkness. They don't know what it means to serve Hashem out of the fear of meaninglessness. And at that point, the malachim have nothing to say. The book of the Zohar is a book of walking and wandering because that is what distinguishes human beings from malachim. <inaudible> Malachim are referred to as standing. Human beings walk. Walking means a rutz of a shova, backwards and forwards, a desire to move elsewhere, an anxiety, a feeling that we're not in the right place at the right time. And that's specifically what the Zohar is teaching us, how to settle into that, how to find the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu specifically in the darkness, how to celebrate light on the lowest day of the Omer, Hod Sheba Hod, a very low day. Concealment within concealment. But it's specifically there that the Zohar teaches us the power of light that emerges out of darkness. As Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai announces in the Hakdama to the Zohar, that nobody can join me unless they have tasted bitterness and transformed it into sweetness. You can't join me unless you've transformed darkness into light. And the Leshem Sheva V'cholema says that this is why the Zohar are in an Aramaic. Aramaic is a broken language, it's translation. It means that we can't understand things in their essential sense. But it's that very language that the Malachim can't understand. Malachim don't know what it means to be mistaken. Malachim don't mean what, know what it means to be confused. They don't know what it means to have Bilbul and Katna moichin. They don't know what it means to lose something and to be afraid and have your world turned over topsy-turvy. And because they don't know that, they have no sheiches to Panimia Satora. Panimia Satora is only for those who have struggled like Rashbi, who have walked and wandered along a path and been chased and battered down by the world like Rashbi. And when we enter into that cave, into that Panimias, into that Oymek, we realize that it's specifically in our confusion, in our misunderstanding, in our inability to understand Lashon Hakodesh always, in our need for Targum, that gives us the Zohar Kadosh. The Malachim can't understand that. The Malachim stands. They can't walk with the Chavrayah on the road. They have no access to wandering upon a road at night. Malachim want structure. What the Zohar teaches us is that it's specifically in this topsy-turvy, upside-down world that we're going to uncover the light of Primia Satora. This book of Rashbi, this this world of Rashbi, it's a world, it's an experience. It's hard for me to even put it into words. In the absence of our ability to connect to the body of Rashbi, the schus of the inability of so many Jewish people to go to the Kever of Rashbi should be that people find the other place where Rashbi is buried, in the Sefer HaZohar. In the book that when you read it, Rashbi begins speaking to you. He begins letting you know that it's okay to wander without a destination. It's okay to be frightened by darkness because that's where the secrets of your life are going to be revealed. Baha'i Safra yafkin Megalusa. Again, it doesn't mean that learning this book will bring Mashiach. It means that learning this book is a taste of Geula itself within Golos, like the Teva of Noach. It's the Irmiklad. It's a place where we can stop running for a second and settle ourselves and be swallowed up by the words of the Zohar Kadosh. The Balhasulam HaSulam Slusi He says something that you wouldn't believe and with this I promise we'll end. He says, it's amazing. I have a good friend here who's not going to believe me, so I'm going to give them a core. Hakdamala Sefer HaZohar of the Balasulam Os Nuntes and Samach. That's for of Moshe Nuntes. Anybody who finds themselves in the Zohar, in the Holy Zohar, I'm just doing a rough translation. Those who really understand what is written in it, everyone has agreed that the Sefer HaKodosh the Sefer Zohar HaKadosh was written by the Tana Elokai Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. No argument there. Chutz Except for those who are far from this wisdom. Now, Agav, it's very important that I spent a lot of time reading the books of those who are far from the wisdom as well. And it's a remarkable transition. They used to be certain that Rashbi didn't write the Zohar Chas and now the greatest academics about the Zohar have thrown their hands up in the sky and said, not only do we not know who the author of this book is, but you can't even call it a book. It's not a book. It's, we don't even know what this thing is anymore. That's kind of where the academic teachings of the Zohar have gone. Really, Daniel Abrams wrote a, a remarkable book, thousands of pages, which cost me a lot of money, which basically announces that this is not a book. Let's stop, with the, let's stop assuming that there's even an author to this thing because it just exists. So the Baal HaSulam says, he says, everyone knows the Tzav Yishim except for those who are far from this wisdom. They disagree with the attribu- attribution of this book to Rashbi. V'notim Lomar, and they have a tendency to say, based on certain historical kind of elements, that the author was Rav Moshe de Leon, or others who were close to his time. Listen to what the Baal HaSulam says. It's so amazing. But me, when I'm on my own, from the day that Hashem has blessed me with the ability to look a little bit into this holy book, I've never even really been bothered to ask who wrote it. And it's for a simple reason. Because as a result of the content of this book, the value of Rabbi Shuman Bar Yochai was so powerful in my eyes, without any measure more than any other Tana. And if it was revealed to me with absolute clarity that the author was someone else, like Rav Moshe de Leon or somebody else, Az haya Rav de Leon At that point, Rav Moshe de Leon would just be revealed to me as having been someone who was much greater than any other tana. V'gam rashbi even rashbi. Amnan b'emes in truth, According to the true depth of the wisdom in this book, <speaking> in <Hebrew> if I had any level of clarity, <speaking> in <Hebrew> that in truth it was written by one of the 48 prophets, <speaking in Hebrew> I would have been more satisfied. said, <speaking in Hebrew> so I'd rather claim that this book was written by a prophet than a tana. If I had found that Moshe Rabbeinu himself received this book from Har Sinai, then my das would be settled. Because it's Moshe Rabbeinu and it's Har Sinai that are appropriate for the origin of this book. What the Baal HaSulam is saying, and the Bala know the Zohar, is that whatever your thoughts are about this book, let the book speak to you. Let the book prove it to you. The Leshem Shuvah also said this. He said, the mechaber of the Zohar ha-emes-eid la Truth is its own testimony. He didn't enter into, into a disagreement. When you learn the Zohar, even as an Ish-pashot, read the words, be carried away by it, you will be inflamed with the watery fire of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his Chavrayah. You will learn that walking without a destination is also okay. And you will see that even our failures and our falling and our hod shebahod is specifically our mailah because it's only when we transform confusion into clarity and darkness into light that we can taste from the Book of Light of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Thank you, anybody and everybody who joined today. I hope this was, uh, I hope this was meaningful. And Be'ezrus Sashem, we should be zoichet to dip a little bit into the waters of the Zohar and Amir Sashem B'Zochet to be in Meirun together.